You know, I, this this week as I'm getting ready, you know, last week was Father's Day and we set the foundation for things and of this new series that we're in. But this week I started to look and I, I started to see like laws and rules. And so I, I, I saw that there's a jurisdiction in Wisconsin that it's actually illegal to eat ice cream on Sunday. So you see, so you have to be you know, careful. And that's dairy land too right there. But then, then in North Dakota, there's a regulation against serving pretzels with beer. I mean, that messes with your guys' whole uh, dinner schedule today. I mean, that's exactly what you had on your menu, ice cream, beer, and uh, pretzels. And uh, so, you know, but, but you start to read these rules. And then I saw one a lot closer to us in Arizona. So Goodyear, Arizona, and some of you guys know exactly where that is. It's just right outside of Phoenix. On the books there, it says that it's unlawful to spit on any public inside or outside of a public building, including a sidewalk or a road. A fender may be fined up to $2,500 and six months in prison. You know, I'm reading it and I'm like, well, these are some crazy rules. You know, not that they really enforce them, but my question is, why do they keep them on the books? You know, why do they keep them there when they're, they're crazy like that? Why don't we just get rid of them? But for a lot of people, that's what they think of the Bible. They think of the Bible as these, these rules and regulations, and they're like, man, they have nothing to do with today. They have nothing to do with our life, and so why do we even keep them? And so as we go through this series, I want you to know we're going to be looking at it from a lot of different angles of, of what God has to say to us that speaks to our hearts. And the first thing I want you to do is pull out your study guide. And we're, 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 we've got a little quiz, all right? So, so here, here's the quiz. Um, uh, there's a study that said that 80% of people said that the Ten Commandments are great, the way to live your life. And then they asked them, they said, okay, so what are the Ten Commandments? So out of the 80% that said this is really the way to live your life, uh, less than 30% knew the Ten Commandments. So we'll talk about that too. It's kind of funny, but here's the very first one. So I, I want you to go through, and you've got one through 10. I want you to just fill it in. Fill in what you think it is. We're not going to put it up on the screen yet because, uh, uh, oh, Katie is incredible. Give it up for Katie, man. Give it up. Yeah, Katie is so good. She's, she's, she's on the game. So the very first one that you must not have. Okay, you got it? You got it? You got it? Okay, it's any other gods but me. Okay, now number two, go ahead. You must not, nobody turn to Exodus 20. I see some very smart, smart scholarly people. They're like, hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to check the book. Look at that. Everybody's cheating here. Okay, that's good though. Okay, and then, and then, and then number two, you must not your, for yourself an idol, an idol. Yeah, and so uh, that, that's going to be a great message. I'm, I'm excited about that one coming up. And then number three is you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number four is remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you must not murder. Number seven, you must not commit adultery. Number eight, you must not steal. Number nine, 
you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And number 10 is you must not covet. So I don't know how you made out. Some of you, I know, you, you, you had those down and you were going through and you're like, oh, I got this one, I got this one, I got this one. But it's so interesting. For so many of us, we've kind of made the Ten Commandments like those crazy rules we heard before. We're just like, I don't even need to learn them. I don't even need to think about them. I just, I just need to just go through and, and, and live my life. But what, what we need to understand is this is actually God's voice speaking to us. And, 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 and it speaks to the core of who we are. The, the scripture says that, that the, the law has been written on our lives, on our hearts. Each one of us have it written. That's why we can meet people that have never picked up a Bible, but they understand certain things are wrong because God's placed that on their life. And so it's the foundation. So as we look at this series over the next, it's, it's a 12-week series. Now, last week I said 11, but I lied. And then we added an extra piece to that. But um, what's really important, and I shared about it last week, is, is if we're not careful as we go through the Ten Commandments, we could be just like the Jewish faith, we could be like the Islamic faith, we could be like the Mormon faith, we could be like uh, the Jehovah Witnesses. We can be like people, as they go through the Ten Commandments, they say, this is how I earn favor with God. This is how God finally likes me. If I do enough good things, more than bad things, God will love me. I want you to understand that is not what it's about at all. That's why the name of our series is Set Free to Live Free. We don't set ourselves free, but Jesus sets us free. And we have a choice to live free because of what he's done for us. And so we have a memory verse that goes throughout the, the series. And so last week, I dissected it a little bit. This week, we're going to read it together. Next week, I'm going to dissect it a little bit. But, but let's say that together as a group. It's, it's John 8, 34 through 36. It says, Jesus replied. I, you guys can say it out loud. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Guys, I want to encourage you because if we miss out on that part, it's not Christianity anymore. It's not being a Christ follower. It's about us performing our way. But it's Jesus who sets us free. So as we start to look at it, we start to look that at, at, at for each one of us, there's a slavery to sin, and it's Jesus that sets us free. And so as we go through this, we don't want to miss that at all. So here's our main text. So if you, if you flip in your Bible, it's all the way towards the beginning. You got Genesis and then Exodus. And we're going to go to Exodus 20. And we're going to look at the very first verse for just a moment. So, so here's what it says. It says, then God gave the people all these instructions. Okay, sometimes it's easy to just go fast. We go over it. Okay, instructions, blah, blah, blah. But what are instructions? As I, I was doing a little word search this week, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, what is it? An instruction is an order. It's a command. It's a directive. It's a direction. It's a decree. It's an edict. It's an injunction. It's a mandate. It's a dictate. It's a commandment. It's a demand. It's a requirement. It's a stipulation. 
It's a charge, it's a ruling, it's a mandate, it's a pronouncement. But what you don't see in that whole list, it's not a suggestion. It's not an option. An instruction is something that we're called to do. We're instructed to do it. We're instructed to follow it. And so then we go on. So, so, so he laid out the foundation. This is an instruction for each one of us to live our lives. Then, then verse 2 says that I am the Lord your God. Just really quick. Who is the great I am? He's eternal. He's intrinsic value, his worth. He is God. He is not like anyone else. He is not like us. We are created in his image, but we are not God. God is set apart from everything. And then it says, who rescued you from the land of Egypt and place and, and the place of slavery, you must not have any God but me. And, and that's where we're going to camp out today. We're going to look at that. And what I want you to know is that God has this double claim that we see in the beginning. As I'm looking at it, you know, uh, it, it's kind of the, the preface of the first commandment. There's this double claim. It says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. And, and, and when we look at that double claim, it's not just in the first commandment, but it's throughout. But we're going to unpack it today. And go ahead. You, you can write notes on the side. When God's speaking to you, I just want you to write that in. Because the first claim that we see in it, it's he's the God of creation. God is the God of creation. And, and, and that's what he's making sure everyone understands. Okay, this is instructions for life. You have to understand that I am the God that creates. It says, I am the Lord your God. It says it five times in the Ten Commandments. We, we see, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. And he continues with that. What does that mean, Lord? Lord is the word Yahweh. It's the Hebrew word Yahweh. It means that God's self-existence, eternity, that he's sovereign, that he's in control over all things. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I am the creator. I create the word God. What does that mean? The Hebrew, it's Elohim. It's significant. It's, it's God's majesty, his power of who he is, of how he created the world. That's who God is. And he's saying, you've got to understand me as the creator. How does that make any difference in my life? See, God created you and he gave you life. That's what he does. I love it. Chris said the scripture today that every good and perfect gift comes from the father of light. That's what God does. He creates. Some people say, oh, you know, the devil's always coming up with this stuff. And he's always devil doesn't come up with anything. He doesn't create anything. The enemy isn't a creator. All he is is a, is a distorter. So he takes two things and he distorts it. He takes something incredible like pure water. And then he takes cat urine, which I guess has some purpose and, and for the cat. And then, he, and then he takes those things and he puts it together and it becomes a mess, right? You don't want to drink that anymore. That's exactly what the enemy does with everything. He takes something good and he distorts it. 
He takes beautiful things of God and distorts it. And so God is the creator. What happens when his people understand that he's the creator, the creator of everything? This is what happens in our life. We start to have a reverence for who God is. We start to have a fear and obedience, a respect for who God is. Now, Remember, these, these aren't just ideas to live by. This could be a good thing. Maybe, you know, maybe in your time of life, this is a good thing. This is an instruction for us at all times to understand that he's the creator. And here's the next one is that the claim of salvation right in there. He sets the claim of salvation. He says, he says, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery, He's the one that rescues us. He's the one that gives us salvation. Nobody else gives us salvation. No one else gives us salvation. I don't earn my salvation. I don't work hard enough that somehow I'm going to work my way out of slavery. It doesn't happen. We see the people, they were, they were trapped in Egypt. They were slaves. And God came and rescued them from that. For each one of us, we are slaves to sin. Sin is our slavery, and it's only the shed blood of Jesus that rescues us. It's only Jesus that can set us free from our slavery. So then, then what's the proper response? Once we understand that God is my salvation, he's the one that sets me free. He's the one that pulls me out of bondage. It really is, uh, it's love, it's gratitude. I start to realize, oh, wow, what he did. There's a thankfulness, there's a loyalty that takes place as I understand God for who he is. Well, so then, then we move on to verse three. So the, the official first commandment that we said, it says that you must not have any other God but me. Now, now we, we see, we see that the other nine commandments really prescribe to a certain action for God's people. So, so the, the rest of the commandments that we look at are going to say, hey, this is what I want my God's people to do. This is what I want them to do. This is how I want them to respond. But the first commandment's unique. In, it's a relationship between God and his people. So, so it's different as we look at that. We've got to realize this is God speaking to his people, and it's a relationship that we have. See, it's really important to understand who God is and that we're not God, and that we don't find other things to be our God, other things that we focus on. And so what I want to do is just a little bit of practical of, of, of as we look at the first commandment. If he's the great I am, if, if he's the only God, don't you love it? Go ahead in your study guide, just circle how it says any other God and it's lowercase. Guys, there is no other God, capital, other than our God. And so it's so important that we understand that. So, so if he is the only God, if he is the only one worthy, if he is the only one valuable, then just kind of write this on the side. Who do I praise? Who do I praise in life? See, it's, it's not bad to tell someone, hey, good job, put a hand on his shoulder, great job, oh, I really love this. But, but who do you 
praise? Who do you give all uh, marvel and true amazement to? I just saw that movie, Aladdin. Did anyone see that yet? Will Smith. Uh, man, it was amazing. It was great. Um, I, there's, there's a scene in it. When you see it, you'll be like, okay, Rich, I totally understand what you're talking about. There's a scene of a parade coming through, and it is so over the top. It is just unbelievable as you're watching it, and music is going on, and people are dancing, and all these flips are going on, and all these things. And what happens is everyone is in awe. They're just like, oh, it's the, the prince is coming through. The prince is coming through. And everyone is giving all of their excitement, all of their energy to him. Well, the question is, do we do that to God? Is that our God? Are we excited when we wake up and we say, God morning, thank you. Thank you, God. I am so excited about who you are. Or do we get excited about other things? Here's the thing. Here's the second thing that just kind of ask yourself, who do I count on? Who do I count on? Do I really count on God or am I counting on other people? Am I counting on other things in life? See, a lot of times we're like, oh, you know what? God is good, but boy, if I could just get to my lazy chair, if I could just get my six pack, if I could just get this, then then I'll be good. Then I'll be relaxed. You know, then I can once I get that bonus, once I get the we have all these other things that we count on instead of him. Here, here's another one I thought of is is who do I call for? Who do I call for in things in life? Now, I want you to understand God brings us people. God uses people. I, I truly believe God uses the plumber. You know, God, God uses that plumber in, in your house. And it's like, God, I need, I need help, man. My, my drains are getting in the clogged. And, and he says, all right, you know, here, here, I'm, I'm going to bring you a plumber. Now, now the same thing when, when we need a doctor and our arteries are clogged. It's like God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this person. I'm going to move through it. But I want you to know, who do you really look for in things? Are we looking towards people? Or are we looking towards God? When we're dealing with life issues, you know, uh, I'm doing premarital counseling right now. The number one reason why people get a divorce is because of finances. When I'm dealing with my finances, who am I focused on? You know, the problem is sometimes we're so focused on QuickBooks and everything that we never look to God. We never go to God and say, God, you really are the one that's going to pull me out of this. God, you are the one that I really need to come to. The next thing is, is who do I thank? Who do I thank? Is God the person that I thank the most or is it everyone else? When was the last time that you just spent time with God and realized, what am I really thankful for? And it's absolutely amazing. If you haven't done this, I really encourage you, and this is probably a good weekly activity, is to take out a piece of paper and you just start to write. You start to write down and you say, okay, God, this is what I'm thankful for. Now, to be honest with you, sometimes the first like four or five things, they're kind of awkward. You're kind of like, okay, okay. But, but once you start to go, you start to realize, oh my gosh, there's so much to be thankful for. 
I mean, guys, we live in the richest place in the world. I mean, is that crazy that God has allowed us to be here? Isn't it crazy that our hearts keep going and our blood keeps flowing? Isn't it crazy that God God's, uh, has us in a country that we're not in slavery right now? Isn't it amazing? You start to look at all those things and it's like, okay, if I really believe those things, there's only one response and it's to be thankful, to call out to him, to ask him, to put him first in everything that happens. See, go ahead and write this in, is that, that to be set free is to see God for who he is. See, we're free from our distorted views of God. And as we go through this series, as, as we walk on this spiritual journey together, for some of us, we're going to start to realize that our view of God is a distorted view of God. It's not the true view of God. And there's a freedom that happens as Christ moves into our lives. I mean, what's going on culturally at the time as, as, as the Ten Commandments are handed down? Well, we're, we're looking at people that have been set free and, and everyone else around them are pretty much polytheists. So what, what does that mean? That means that they believe in multiple gods. So you've got the sun god. You know what? We, 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 we need a little sun. Let's pray for the sun god. Let's pray for the earth god. Let's pray for the crop god, the storm god. Let's pray that the storm god keeps away from us. And, and that's what was going on at the time. Now they understood. Wait a second. Our god is not like these gods. I mean, think about it. Those gods are very compartmentalized, aren't they? They just kind of do this and do that. Well, we kind of create our own gods like that, right? You know, so 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 I want I want the the sex god, and so I I go online and I look to see what that is. Or some of you that are very old, you pick up a Dr. Ruth book, and and you you know you're like, okay, so I'm going to go to this this compartmentalize. This is where my information's from, and then other people, it's like, okay, my financial. This is where I go for this. And this is where I go for relationships, e-harmony. And I go to here for this and I go to here for that. It's very compartmentalized. But God is over all things. And so I want you to understand that, that uh, in Romans, so Romans 1 verse 20, it says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Guys, if, if, if you got your pen, just 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 uh, underline right there that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Guys, I believe everything points to God. I believe no matter where you're at, it can point to God. I believe when, when I'm talking to someone and they say, Rich, the worst thing just happened in my life. And they start to share about the, 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 the horrific issues that are taking place in their life. And I believe that in that moment, we can point to who God is. We can show his goodness and his life. It's everywhere. God's protection and hope. And we can start to point to those things. I think that that if we go to the beach and 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 we sit and we talk and we just look at God's beauty, we go to the mountain. What does it those things aren't just random. That is God. 
the human body. I'm always blown away whenever I watch those, those medical shows and they're talking about things. I'm like, wow, that's, that's unbelievable how the body works. Those things all point to who God is. God makes it clear through nature that he is the greatest, that he is the ultimate. We look and we realize there has to be a designer for all of this, and it's God. And the truth is that the sinful heart just doesn't want to look at it. The sinful heart doesn't want to bow down to anyone but ourselves. That's why, that's why the world just keeps turning up the volume of things so they don't have to hear God. In the midst of an earthquake, in the midst of a famine, you can see God's hand. Not in, not in this destructive way, but in this loving way of caring for the brokenhearted. See, the world just wants to crank up the volume and say, I don't want to acknowledge God. I don't want to acknowledge God in the good things. I don't want to acknowledge God in the bad things. Why? Because they don't want to bow down. They don't want to surrender their lives. They want to just live their lives for themselves. They want to take the quick fix. You know, it's like that kid who uh, he wanted a bike. So he prayed and he said, hey, God, give me a new bike. And then he was like, yeah, God doesn't really work that way. I, I'll just steal the bike and ask for forgiveness. You know, and so some people, that's how they think of things. They're just like, OK, you know what? Uh, I, I'll, I'll pray to God, but I'm not really believing that he's going to do anything. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll just take it on my own. You know, I'll go for the quick fix. Sometimes we can do that in areas where it's integrity where it's like, if, it, it really shows, if, if no one found out, would you still do the right thing? I mean, if you could get instant gratification, and it's kind of, it's kind of fudging the line a little bit, it's kind of pushing things, and, and, and no one would ever find out? See, that's what our world is. That's what that sinful nature is. Let me just add to what God created, which is now lo no longer truth. It's distorted. And sometimes we start to even believe our lies. They start to sound good. I mean, you know, you think about it. I, I heard about a kid. He said, I want to be just like my grandpa. You know, I want to be able to die in my sleep. He, I mean, he, was, he died so peaceful. Boy, not like, not like those other people who were yelling and screaming in his passenger seat. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and so for so many people, you, you forget, you just think of it, this is what it is. This is what's going to make me feel good. This is what's going to, and you don't think about the consequences. You don't think about anything else in life. That's why in Deuteronomy eleven sixteen it says, but be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. We don't want to be deceived. You can circle deceived. The reason why it says it is because we're all deceivable. We can all be deceived, each one of us. And we can turn, I think of like a, a beautiful, loving relationship. And then on the other side, the Romeo scam. You know, someone that doesn't really care at all, but they look great and they're saying all the right things. Why? To get what they want and to walk out. You know, we have to look at that in this world. What is the true God? 
And what are these other things that we chase? I was looking at uh, uh, documentaries and stuff. They're, they're, they're always amazing when you look at real life stories and you'll see like Tina Turner, you know, and the, the real life of Tina Turner. And, and, then, and then it's like, who's, who's the man that was in that relationship? Do you guys remember that? Ike Turner, you know, and, 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 and Ike, man, when Ike was on his game, man, he was just like the nicest guy. He was friendly. He was just, he was just incredible. And then, and then when Ike wasn't on his game, bam, you know, I mean, he was a vicious, horrible person. He was abusive. But sometimes we get confused with the beautiful relationship with the distorted relationship. I mean, they, they had a, a, a movie of, um, the, the Ted Bundy story, and, 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 and you look at Ted Bundy, and he's this good-looking guy. He's this really nice guy, and he comes in, and he's very kind, and he, he says all the right words that people are like, wow, this is love. This is someone that's caring about me, but it ends in disaster, and that's the same thing true for us. I want you to understand those pictures is what it is when we choose other things than God, when we choose anything other than the true God. So this is the next thing I want you to write in is to live free by overcoming false gods, that we overcome false gods because once we have clarity, now we have accountability. So now once we're clear, now we can choose how we're going to respond, how we're going to move forward. See, we can be free from the uh, domination of slavery from other gods. We can be free to trust in the true God. So, so we always have to understand what's real and what's the counterfeit. You guys have heard that before. When, when, uh, um, I, uh, when they, they train people on money to identify counterfeits, it, it surprised me the first time I heard it, and then, and then every time I've said it since, I'm like, well, it only makes sense. So what they do, what I would have thought is I would have thought if you want to understand counterfeits, you would then lay out all the counterfeits and make sure that we know what they look like. So we'd say, okay, oh, feel this counterfeit, okay? And, and look at this counterfeit, and, and, and okay, see, see how this is? But, but what they do instead is that they give people real bills. They give people real bills from all over, old real bills, new real bills, and they have them just keep touching real bills, and they keep looking at real bills, and they keep feeling real bills. And then finally, when they slip in a fake bill, they're like, wait a second, something's different here. And that's what we need to do spiritually is to understand who the real God is so then we can focus when, when our, 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 our life on, on the real God instead of being caught up in the counterfeit. And when Scott and I did that uh, thing on Mormonism, you know, that was really important as we were teaching. And I think it's still online, but, and, and we'll probably end up doing another one pretty soon. But uh, the thing about it is that uh, there's a lot of different false beliefs, and some people spend their whole life trying to figure out the false beliefs instead of understanding the true beliefs. And that's what's really important is that we focus in on the truth. So, so real counterfeit. Now, now I want to look at 1 Kings 18, verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, if Baal is, is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. 
See, I sometimes wonder if we're still just silent on issues. Do we really believe that God is everything, or are we still relying on some other things? God is totally right on everything, unless my psychiatrist says something different. God is totally right on this, unless Ellen says something different. You know, God is totally right, unless my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, kids, or someone else says something. You know, and, 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 and we have these other belief systems that we start to rely on instead of him. And the most important thing is, who do we really believe? And God says, I don't have room for you to have split loyalties. My instruction is either I am your God or I am not your God. And that's what we have to look at. Now, now, now a lot of times I think I can sometimes talk in the Old Testament and then and people are like, oh, that's really good, Rich. That's, that, that's great. I, I feel good. I feel like I'll, I'll try a little bit harder and, and walk out the door. But, but what we always have to ask is how does this connect with Jesus? Because the whole Bible points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. And so then we have to look, and in the book of John, it says seven times that Jesus says that I am. And so we want to tie this all together because we're looking at how they were uh, saved from slavery to how we are saved from our sins. And so go ahead, right on the side, um, John 6, verse 35. This is where Jesus declares, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So what was happening at the time? Jesus just fed thousands of people. He just fed all kinds of people, fish and chips, all you could eat. You know, he fed all these people, and then they're saying, oh, Remember how, how God fed uh, with manna of the Israelites. And, and, and Jesus is responding and he's saying, wait a second, wait a second. See, John 6, verse 32 and 33, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is... He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he's saying to them, I am God. I am the one that gives you life. Everything else, man, it'll, it'll just get you through till tomorrow. So what's, what's the next I am that we see? John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. See, what, what, what happened there? What was going on at the time as Jesus is saying that? We, there, there was this lady that was caught in adultery. And they're saying, hey, go ahead. Come on. We, we want to get Jesus in a trap. Go ahead. What's the law? Say, let's stone her. Let's kill her. Come on, Jesus. And this is Jesus' response in, in uh, 8 verse 7. He says, who is without sin among you? Let him throw the first stone. See, Jesus is the light of life. In the midst of hopelessness, what did that lady deserve technically by the law? Death. 
guys, what do we deserve technically by the law? Death. And the light is Jesus. Jesus is the one that says, I'll set you free. Here's the third one. John 10, verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Guys, is that amazing? Because watch this. Right before that, in in verse 8, he says, All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Clearly, Jesus is saying, I am the only way to salvation. There's no other way. Guys, we live in a world that universalism is king. Uh, You know what? You call him a different name. That's totally fine. You know, we're all children of God, right? You know, oh, isn't that what the good book says? Yeah, and cleanliness is next to godliness, and I don't know what else. You know, I mean, these made-up things that we put in the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says none of us are children of God until we've been adopted by Christ. And so universalism says, you know what? We're all kind of, you know, you, you, eventually it's all going to work out. We're, we're going to maybe have some purgatory or I'm going to be on this level of heaven and eventually we're going to work our way out. No, no, no. Jesus said, I am the only way. It's only through me. And, and, and how does he describe the other gods? Thieves and robbers. Is that crazy? You know, you see these well-meaning people that come to your door, well-meaning people that are standing out at the mall, let me tell you about God or whatever. I want you to know, Jesus says, they're a thief and a robber. Wow, those are strong words. But then he goes on in verse uh, chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, King David declares in Psalms 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that provides for us. He's the one that takes care of us. He's the one that restores our soul. That in a broken, scarred world, he is the only one. Guys, we have to understand who Jesus truly is. See, the the fifth one is this. John 11, starting in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Who is he talking to? He's talking to a close friend. Her brother just died. And 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 she's crying, she's upset, she's like Jesus, if you would have just come here and just done the right thing, we wouldn't be having this issue. Jesus, if you would just do this, and a lot of us, we call out that same thing, don't we? Jesus, if you would have just stepped in in my marriage, God, if you would have just stepped in in, 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 in in her physical body, in his physical body, and just healed that, God, if you just did. And Jesus says, wait a second. You know, I, I can heal him. I'll, I'll, I'll heal him. But he's, he's going to die again. And then Jesus gives the truth that we need to know that through him, we have truth for eternity, that we can hold on to him. Here's the sixth thing is that it's in John 14, verse six. Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. See, 
there's no multiple ways to God. There's no confusion here. It's not like, oh, maybe we misunderstood Jesus on this one. Jesus says, I am the only way. Guys, isn't that hard to be absolute in a world that doesn't want to be absolute? Except in the things that they want to be absolute in and be completely relative in. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm absolute about this. And then it changes tomorrow and then they're absolute about something else. But for us, it never changes. Jesus is the absolute. And, and C.S. Lewis said uh, uh, the case, you know, in apologetics, he's talking about it. And he's like, okay, so Jesus is either a liar, okay, so he's really not the truth. He's not really the only way. He's a lunatic, you know. I mean, he's a crazy man that claims to be God, or he is who he said he was. And that's what each one of us needs to come to, that, that thing. Who is Jesus? John 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How do we know the truth? Through a relationship with the great I am, with a relationship with Jesus. Here, here, here's the final one. So, so we see these seven I am's, and, and this one's in John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Guys, this is amazing. So we got to choose who is God. We've got to choose who we're going to worship. And here's the thing. For our life to make the difference that God's created us for, it's all about who you're connected with. Who are you connected with? And, and we're going to pray. And, you know, uh, you know, I always give an opportunity every week to turn your life to God. You know, if you haven't made that decision to follow Christ, it's not about joining a church. It's not about going through, jumping through hoops. It's about surrendering your life to him. And, and we do that every single week because we believe that that's what we're called to do, to share the gospel, the good news. No one comes to the Father except through him. As we surrender our lives and we say, Jesus, I was going this way, and now I choose to follow you. But I want to go a little further as we pray. Do you truly believe who God is? And are there areas that you need to reconnect? That you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, uh, Pastor, if I was honest, I got one hand on God and I got one hand over here and I got a foot over here and I've got, I've got myself just, just doing the splits. I'm just spread all over the place. But today's the day that you can say, no, he is the only one. He's the only one that I can have life. See, God doesn't just want to fill you up. God wants to move through your life. God wants to use you as a light. God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. God wants to use you to be his hand extended. And I believe God wants to do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so amazing. You are so awesome. God, you are the only one worthy of praise. God, you are the only one worthy. God, you are God and we're not. God, we are so thankful for your love, for your generosity. God, your kindness. God, that you created each one unique. The Bible says you created us fearfully and wonderfully made.
And God, we thank you. God, we thank you so much. God, you sent Jesus that we didn't have to be under the bondage of sin, but we can have freedom. God, I ask that you would be with each one of us today. If, if it's you today that you're like, I, I just need to really get my life right with God. I need to just surrender my life. Maybe, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the 50th time. And you're like, I just have to let go. You can do that without a pope, without a priest, right where you're at. To call out to God and say, I give my life to you. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And God takes your life and he gives you a new life, a new spirit in your life. And for some of you, you're like, hey, Pastor, I'm just spread thin. I mean, I've, I've been doing this Christian thing. I made that decision a long time ago, but I, I keep going back and forth and I keep putting my alliances and other things. Today is the day of coming home. God's right there. He sees exactly where your hands have been, where your legs have been. And he says, uh, glad you're coming home. God sees the pain of sin that we allow in, those false gods, those Romeo scams that we allow into our lives that destroy and kill. And God says, I'm, I'm just glad you're coming home. Now, if that's you, um, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just ask that you would, as you call out and you say, God, just take my life. Just, and, and, and with every head bowed, just, just raise your hand. I, I, no one else is looking around. I just want to be able to pray for you this week. If that's you. If that's you, that you're like, I, I just need to surrender that. I need to let go of that. Yeah, yeah. God, you're so good that you want our whole life. God, I just ask that you would be with us as we continue to worship you today. God, that we don't hold back. God, that we would let everything to you. God, you are the only one worthy of our praise. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.